to another edition of Talking Fußball Direct, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week we're going to break open a rollicking English week that is set to close out the Hinrunde in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, in just one week's time, the first half of the season will be over. But there is still plenty of football between now and then, and it seems to me that my guest, Matthew Marshall, is determined to see as much of that football as he can. Good, good to have you back and squeeze in between all these games you're going to. Well summarized, Matt. Yeah, I've had a hectic uh, hectic week or so for sure. Nice, nice. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to hear some of the insights that come out of uh, all these all these games you've been taking in. We're going to be back in just a moment with uh, lots of discussion on Match Day 15's big storylines. But, you know, while I have you here, please do subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a review. Give us five stars, if you please. Uh, spread the word. Tell your friends if you're really eager to help us out, become a supporter of on Patreon. We got tons of Bundesliga history podcasts, tactical breakdowns, and, you know, our Scandal series, which is going to uh, give you a little bit more background on the whole Felix Zweier, Robert Heutzer situation that uh, came up over the last couple of weeks here in the current Bundesliga. So look out for that. Anyway, the Patreon is a big help for keeping us afloat. So, uh, you know, do subscribe if you can. We'll be right back. Here comes part one of Talking Foosball Direct, the part where we go over the best of the match day just gone. This was match day 15, the first game of a three-game set and these uh, this traditional English Woche, as they call them in, in the Bundesliga. You know, we've just got so much to cover, and I really want to go to the place where probably Matthew has the most added value, and luckily, it was a super exciting game that he just saw. This was uh, Eintracht Frankfurt's 5-2 win over Bayern Nofield Leverkusen. I mean, knowing what Leverkusen did last week, I was afraid for Eintracht when they went down 2-0 after 22 minutes in this one. But I wasn't worried for long because Tuta got one back a minute later. Jesper Lindstrom evened things up before halftime. And, you know, Frankfurt were actually just getting started. They added three more goals unanswered in the second half. They turned that early deficit into a rout. Matt, what exactly tipped the balance of this game so decisively in Eintracht's favor. I mean, we, we did see some pretty incredible finishing uh, from distance from this uh, Eagles team. Yeah, as you said, they got that goal back through Tuta so quickly after they went 2-0 down. And, you know, they had about 12,000 in there. So they had a fair, fair bit of home support and they just, they just got stuck in. They, it was a really physical game and they started winning all the 50-50s and um, just using their, their aggression and just getting the ball to Kostic as much as possible. And he just tore it up. He didn't register any assists because there was little touches here and there, but he was extremely influential and really running the show. And it was an incredible turnaround, you'd have to say. As you said, was, I was at that game where they, they pumped Greutherford 7-1 and, um, you know, Sione rested all these players midweek in the Europa League. So this was full strength, really Leverkusen. But they really lost that midfield battle. It was quite telling that after they went 4-2 down, you know, he just pulled off both of his central midfielders and brought on Blasios and Demibai. So that was interesting. You'd have to say probably Arangiz is a little bit underdone. He's just come back from a long layoff. So 
he looked a bit, uh, yeah, as I said, underdone. There was a lot of sort of sloppy passing tips over, but full credit to Eintracht. They, they hung in there and they pulled off a really big win. This will give them a lot of confidence. Yeah, where, where do you see Eintracht's future? I mean, this has clearly not been the start that they were looking for. I mean, we've seen so many of these teams who made coaching changes, who, who saw themselves as top teams and, and were top teams last year, have a bit of a dip in form. I mean, Eintracht perhaps not quite as drastically as the likes of, of Borussia Mönchengladbach, but, you know, there's been a lot of discontent. Are you convinced that there are, are positive signs coming together for them, or is this, who knows? I think what you'll probably see is some of these teams that have been involved in, in European competitions, you know, I think it's going to help some of those teams. Uh, obviously, got the English Walker coming up, so it's going to be pretty rapid fire, but I think you'll start to see them get a bit more time to, to train, work on tactics. And really, Glasner's had enough time now to see what's going on and to figure things out. So I think you're still going to see a fair bit of inconsistency. And I think that'll be quite normal. They've got an interesting game coming up in, in Gladbach during the week, but that's going to be an interesting one. I wish I could, uh, could get to that one. But um, I still think, yeah, you're going to see a bit of inconsistency. And it was really quite quite strange, I thought, today, how much room Leverkusen gave Kostic. It's, it's really quite interesting when you have these teams that have, you know, one guy or, you know, one guy who's the, the biggest threat. And I've seen this quite a bit in the last few weeks that the opposition just seems to give him way too much space. Um, so he, he remains a, a super important player. You know, it'd be really interesting Really interesting to see what would happen if he get, uh, had some time off the pitch. But, you know, this will give him a lot of confidence, although it was really, I can't imagine what's going on in the Leverkusen camp at the moment. You know, they, 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 a couple of the players, Andish and, and Hadetsky, uh, just came out and said, look, we just lost the fight and we just, you know, just not gave up. But they really just allowed Frankfurt to get on top and it was um, quite alarming. I don't know if they got 2-0 up and thought, well, here we go, this is going to be easy and they sort of switched off, but... I think that might be a little bit of a part of it. Interesting. Interesting. Those are two two blunt, quotable guys in uh, Radetzky and Andres. So, you know, for them to come right out and say in question, question their uh, teammates and perhaps even their own level of fight is, is interesting. I really see this as a big mischance for Leverkusen, also considering they had a day to think about the fact they could have made up some ground on Dortmund, Dortmund dropping points to Bochum, as we'll talk about later. And you've seen a fair bit of Leverkusen this season. I mean, you know, as you said, you saw their their 7-1, you know, route of, of Fürth last week. But you've also seen some games where they got carved up. What is it that's missing from their team defense? I mean, leaving aside the fact that maybe too much room for Kostic on this particular day, but is there something about the way that they're defending other teams that, that leaves them a bit too vulnerable? It's probably just individual mistakes. I mean, Frimpong and, and uh, Hincapia have been pretty good going forward, but you're always going to get difficulties when the ball gets in behind Frimpong. And you've seen Seoane pretty much give Jonathan Tara a starting spot since he's been there. He's, he's giving Tara a lot more game time than uh, some of the previous managers. So it's pretty much him and then Tapsoba's come in. Now, Kostanu had his chance. But they just don't look that convincing when they're under pressure. You know, it's always been that way with, over the last few years with Leverkusen. You know, they'll, they'll go on a good run. You'll think, okay, here we go. And then they'll come up against a good team and just get smashed. And that generally happens against Bayern, against Dortmund. And today it was a little bit sort of um, reminiscent of that sort of idea. Obviously, Frankfurt, no, not 
not as uh, close to those two teams I just mentioned, but they just came at them so strong and just threw everything at them and they just couldn't handle it. So, you know, it's all great when things are going your way, but yeah, defensively, those guys are just, you know, going to struggle against, you know, top, top opposition. And really, Siouani doesn't have that many places to go because Backer didn't really do too much. Simkarvan's kind of fallen out there. Uh, the other right back for Leverkusen, I can't think of his name now. He's uh, he's injured. Fosu Mensa. So there's not a whole lot of options really behind those guys. Retsos just hasn't got a look in. So um, he's kind of stuck with these guys. I mean, it was a really obvious starting eleven what Siouani would do here. It was really obvious what he was going to to do. But it looks like some of those guys, like Adley, you know, they have, they'll be under pressure again from the likes of Bellarabi. And you might even see guys like Demibai coming back into the team because Siwani will go away from this and think, well, you know, got to do something. There was something missing there. But he's obviously going to have a lot of chance to rotate with these matches coming up thick and fast. Yeah, I wanted to take quickly uh, a look at what's coming up for these two teams. Eintracht, they are away to Gladbach and then at home to Mainz in that sort of you know, pseudo-Darby game, whereas uh, Leverkusen are at home to Hoffenheim and then away to Freiburg. So in truth, both of these teams have have a couple of tough nuts, I would say, coming up. Any of those games stand out to you as a as a particular cracker? Uh, I'll be at that game, uh, Leverkusen hosting Hoffenheim. That'll be my last game before the, the new year. So I'll be interested to see if they can come back from that. But I think that Gladbach-Frankfurt game should be really, really exciting. We'll talk about Gladbach soon. They're really struggling. And, you know, Frankfurt could really go there and do a big number on them. So I'm looking forward to that from a uh, neutral perspective. Nice. Why don't we talk about uh, Hoffenheim? You're going to see Hoffenheim in uh, Leverkusen in just a few days. They were in action in Freiburg on match day 15. This was more or less the the biggest head-to-head clash of of two sides very high up the table on offer on on match day 15. Anyway, defenders David Raum and Nico Schlotterbeck traded first half goals in this game. And, And, you know, everything was sort of standing on a knife edge. Although, albeit with with plenty of chances, including a penalty saved from uh, Vincenzo Grifo. But, you know, maybe it was just going to take another defender, a third defender scoring in this game to break the deadlock. Matt, who was it that stepped up and scored in the 94th minute? Chris Richards. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. It was a really fascinating game. It was really disappointing that they only had 750 people there. And I guess that's something we should mention throughout the whole Bundesliga, just how sad it is that uh, this virus hasn't uh, hasn't gone away. And some of the people in charge are uh, thinking it's necessary to to limit capacities to, to such an extent. But, yeah, I hadn't seen Freiburg all season. And then I saw them crush Mönchengladbach 6-0. I was at that game, which was just ridiculous. So, yeah, I had a double header with the Freiburg and... Um, it was interesting to go down to that new stadium, although, as I said, shame that there wasn't really many people there. And I'd have to say that if there was more people there, they probably wouldn't have lost this game, Matt. Mm. But, yeah, as you mentioned, Grifo uh, just got the penalty saved. Bauman had a, had a strong game. And uh, it was the first time I'd actually seen Hoffenheim live this season too, so that was quite interesting. That was a good game, and I think Freiburg will be, yeah, they were, they were ruining. There was a free kick that led to the corner where they scored the, the goal and had a time, and they were fuming. Stradish, his whole his whole coaching staff, they were just going ballistic. It was uh, and really close to the action. That the press seats is like fifth row from the from the front, one of the closest you can get to the to the pitch. So it was really interesting seeing all that go down. But yeah, I don't think it really 
it will take too much from this. Freiburg is still a good team. What's interesting that I, I came home from that 6-0 thinking, isn't it interesting with Freiburg how they can smash a team 6-0, yet there's no standout performer. Like, there's no one you would say, well, he was the guy. He was the man. You know, choosing a man of the match is almost impossible. And that kind of says something to the to the general, you know, teamwork ethic that's going on there. But, yeah, Hoffenheim are doing really well, obviously, up to fourth. They've sort of sneaked up there. I don't think anyone's really been paying attention to them, Matt. But um, what is that, four four wins in a row now? Yeah, four straight wins, five of the last six. They're the biggest mover in the league in the last month. Yeah, no, they're a good team. Obviously, Kramerich had some time out, but he's back now. So he's he's a huge um, huge bonus for them. And obviously, yeah, Raum is, a, is one of the big talking points. He's had that season on loan, and he's coming back, and he's looking really, really confident. I'm still not sure about Akpaguma on the other side, but, you know, Vogt is hanging in there and then organising the defence. Samaseku is starting to to look a lot more confident, you know. So you've got the Bebu on the other side there doing his thing. You'll probably see Kader Zabek. He'll come in soon. And Baumgartner was excellent off the bench. So, you know, there's more improvement to come from this team. You've got Kramerich to get fitter and get more involved. Kader Zabek, he'll come in at right wing back. Baumgartner will probably come in there at some point. So... There's a lot more uh, improvement to come from Hoffenheim. So it's going to be fascinating to see if they can hang in there and stay in, in fourth spot. But, but with so many of those teams behind them floundering, wouldn't be that much of a surprise to see them do it or hang in there for quite a while, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I did want to get you to speak a little bit on uh, Chris Richards. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of hope pinned to him over here in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's great for him to get a winner, great for him to get his first Bundesliga goal. But what did you make of his sort of top-to-bottom performance in this game? Yeah, he's solid. I, gotta admit, I wasn't watching him too closely, but he seemed, you know, confident and he was good, good with the ball. You know, he's still very young and it's not the easiest position to play. It's something I might talk about throughout the pod is that this back three, you know, it's good when it's working well, but those those central defenders that have to be in those wide positions can really get hung out to dry. You know, they can really get stood up by some opposition wingers with fast feet. But um, no, as I said, I hadn't seen Hoffenheim, so this is only my first time seeing him. So I'm not in a great position to talk about guys individually. But yeah, he was solid and hopefully he can continue and uh, continue to improve with this team. And uh, yeah, he's got a long, long way to go with his career for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems we've got a lot of teams who have been playing on Thursday nights uh, this season. Uh, they're all suddenly playing each other, uh, kind of just trading places over the next couple of games. Um, Freiburg are going to be going to be taking on uh, Union Berlin away. Then they're going to be having a home match against Leverkusen, whereas Hoffenheim are traveling to Leverkusen which you're going to be at, and then they have a home match against Gladbach. Considering both of these teams, Hoffenheim are on a four-game win streak going in. You know, Freiburg were going on something of a slide coming into this game, losing five of their last six. Thinking, you know, sort of looking ahead at those games, do you see those trends continuing? Freiburg continuing to underperform and Hoffenheim getting results? I think Hoffenheim will continue to get results. I think Freiburg were had some really bad luck and they had no business losing that game at, uh, at Bochum. And as I said, they were pretty unlucky to lose this game. You know, Grifo scores the penalty. They have some, some supporters in there. I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to lose that game. So I think they've been pretty unlucky to lose those last two matches. Another thing that I've noticed that these little trends uh, I sort of see here and there is that, you know, getting back to a basic four, four, two, isn't the end of the world. 
it tends to, you know, you can get some really good results with the 442. Obviously, back three is, is sort of this, in, you know, is the trend. And there's obviously a lot of different formations also. But when uh, Freiburg smashed Borussia Mönchengladbach 6-0, it was just a straight-up 4-4-2. I mean, there was really nothing special about the formation whatsoever. And they come up against Adi Hutter, who's trying to do all this fancy-schmancy stuff and just get crushed. So that's one little thing that might come back to hurt Freiburg. If they keep doing that, then other teams will, you know, find ways to, to nullify it. But no, I'm still pretty confident Freiburg will, will, will do well and continue to... Uh, to defy people's expectations and, um, you know, hang around that top six. Nice. I, I think that you're probably onto something with both of these teams. I think that they have a solid tactical plan and they don't try to do too much too fancy. Well, speaking of fancy schmancy, uh, you were talking about Adi Hütter and his travails with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach thus far this season. That pretty much continued against RB Leipzig. You know, Leipzig, of course, had been in the spotlight for a lot of bad reasons through most of the season. They hadn't really found consistent form. They fired their coach, Jesse Marsh, after just, uh, you know, 14 league games. And, you know, after <laughs> Achim Bayer-Lotzer was given one game in the Champions League, which he won, and then was uh, sent packing, they brought in Domenico Tedesco to right the ship. He got a solid 4-1 win at home to Gladbach. So far, so good. What did you make of you know this result? What did you make of that move from Leipzig? What are your thoughts? I find it interesting when they sack a manager that they say, well, it just wasn't the right fit, you know, rather than saying he just wasn't good enough. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy this. It's, it's not the right fit type thing. Interesting that there's been some comments today that, uh, that Tedesco had a meeting with, with some of the senior players and they said, look, we'll just, we'll just sort of upset, or not upset, but unsettled a bit where, because Marsh's tactics were just nonstop about the counterattack and they wanted to move back to some of what uh, Nagelsmann had been doing. So that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tedesco, I mean, you know, what, what do you say? He did pretty well to, to finish second when in that season where a lot of other teams underperformed. But I saw a fair bit of Schalke towards the end of his tenure there and it was it was ugly really 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 ugly i know he, he was he might have had excuses with the hierarchy not helping his cause too much with some of the recruitment and he's gone off to russia and i think finished second there and um good luck to him we'll see what happens i don't really i'm not going to make any predictions about tedesco but you know he's he's smart guy and he's got a, a bit more experience under his belt now and he's got experience working in a different country so and this team is kind of set up the way he likes to play as well. So it shouldn't be really that hard for him to get back to maybe what Nagelsmann was doing and just try and have some continuity there. So they can definitely step up. You've still got Nkunku playing extremely well. They could have scored a lot more goals here, I thought. Matt, I watched the, the highlights. And, you know, they've still got a really top-quality squad. So they can still push up for top four for sure. But... Yeah, Borussia Mönchengladbach. We talked about them last time I was on the pod, Matt, and, and the concerns there. And, um, gee, it was bad. It was bad, that game against... I mean, it's one thing getting pumped 6-0. Well, I mean, getting pumped 6-0 sucks yeah. any time. But when you're getting pumped 6-0 at home, right? I mean, that's that's bad. And I've never seen... I've seen a lot of people leave stadiums at some bizarre times, you know, when, when there's still hope and you can still, you know, I think, why the hell are you leaving? You can still come back. But honestly, people were leaving before half time, And I've never seen that. I, think, I don't think I've ever seen people leaving before half time. 
So that was just incredible. So yeah, they, they, they obviously conceded those late goals in Köln, lost 4-1. They lost 6-0 at, at home against Freiburg. And then now they've gone to Leipzig and got pumped 4-1. And it could have been worse. I mean, it, they, were, they were all over the shop. You can see he's, he scrapped the back three and he went to the back four. What pissed me off was that he had he had Ben Sabaini in a back three, you know, and, and Scali ahead of him. And I mean, surely that's just completely neutralizing the benefit that Ben Sabaini is going to give you and your team. And that's another thing that annoys me. You know, managers so stubborn in the way they want to play and the, and the formations they want to play. But sometimes you just don't have the players to do it. And you've got to, you've got to take a guy out of a position where he does really well and put him into a position where he doesn't do very well. And how does that make sense? You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense and it's not going to produce good results. So you can see why he's gone back to a back four here, but it still hasn't worked. I'm wondering if his decision to basically axe Neuhaus might be backfiring behind the scenes. I'm not sure how much, uh, how, how big a, a character Neuhaus is in the squad, but this is a guy who stepped up really quite alarmingly and forced his way into the, into the German national team. But he can't get in the side now. Anyway, because uh, you know Hutter's favouring Kone, which is which is fine, but I'm not I'm just I'm just not sure if that might be somehow backfiring for for Hutter. And yeah, player was was in and then he's out, and it, it just seems to be a lot of confusion here. So really, really, really alarming for uh, for Gladbach. Obviously, you've had Max Ebel come out and say that you know not going to sack him and it's the players and yeah, for sure. I mean that that defending against Freiburg, it was like. What was it? It was cross, goal, cross, goal, free kick, goal, corner, goal, mm-hmm. free kick, goal. And then I think, yeah, Sommer, Sommer spilled one. And um, it's just, just just easy balls into the box, Matt. Just cross it into the box, goal, free kick, goal. I mean, that's a good thing about like, Freiburg and why they score so many of those uh, set pieces is because you, you've either got Grifo or, or Gunter and they're, they're really accurate with the delivery. I mean, I watched that Köln game and – Florian Kainz, his, his deliveries were just atrocious. So when you've got guys who can put the ball into dangerous positions, you're going to score. That's why you've got, you know, so many players scoring or centre-backs, <laughs> Schlotterbeck scoring nonstop. But, yeah, I guess we need to move on. But Gladbach, just hugely alarming. And as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they get pumped again by Eintracht. That's a great matchup for Frankfurt. You know, they can go there and do their thing and just let Gladbach come at them and just, just hit them on the break through, through Kostic and and to Costa, whoever's on the other side. So this could be another heavy defeat. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past them. Then they've got to go to Hoffenheim. That could be another carve-up. Then they've got to go to Bayern Munich. So that's what I, I noticed when I had a quick look at that after that game against Freiburg. I thought, uh-oh, this is a really tough run here. And, um, yeah, this could be six defeats in a row without too much trouble. Yeah, it, that sort of run of of fixtures, and and you know they have Eintracht and Hoffenheim before the winter break, and then Bayern to open things up after the winter break. I mean, uh, Max Abreu, he is a well respected sporting director. He's made a lot of smart moves, both with players and coaches in the past. Let's say they do get pumped <laughs> two more times against Frankfurt and Hoffenheim. Is it time for him to just fold his cards? And get out of the game with Adi Hütter. Well, yeah, you remember we talked about the fact that uh, Max Abel for sure would have been thinking we're going to get back into Europe, if if not the Champions League, then Europa League. Like that would have been minimum, I would have thought uh, expectation. But you could you can almost forget about that, I would say, because I don't see them getting much out of these next three games. And also after that game in Munich, they've got to uh, they've got to host by Leverkusen, so it could be four. 
it could be four. It would, it's not that, that far of a stretch to say they could lose their next four games. And, you know, there's so many teams above them who are, you know, Wolfsburg, Eintracht, you've got Mainz and Freiburg, you've got Leipzig, even Union, Hoffenheim, all these teams. It's hard to see how Gladbach are going to get into Europe. So, you know, if, if at what point does Max Ebel just write that off and say, well, it doesn't matter if we bring in a new coach because we're still not going to get into Europe. So is it worth is it worth that, or should we just stick with him and give him more time? Um, you know, it's it's. But I think I brought up Neuhaus, and if they were playing in Europe, it wouldn't have been such a drama because they would have had more time, or he would have had more time to rotate and give Neuhaus game time. But if they don't make Europe again, then they're going to have to seriously look at the makeup of this squad, and there's going to be so many, well, not so many, but there's going to be a few guys who are just like, mate, how am I going how am I going to get any game time here? Why am I here? You know, huge questions there, but it's really not looking good. Their defense is just all over the shop. I mean, and, and Abel's right to talk about desire and teamwork. I mean, it's just, you know, you saw it today with Frankfurt in the in the second half and that you see it with Freiburg, you see it with Hoffenheim. They're working hard for each other, working hard as a team. I mean, it costs you nothing, but, you know, it goes a long way to winning football matches, that's for sure. Just, just work hard and work as a team. It's, it's the simplest thing you can do, but, you know, it has a big effect. For sure. Yeah, that'll be something to keep our eyes on. It's still very, very tight in the Bundesliga, but, you know, as you say, there's a lot of traffic in front of Gladbach, and uh, <laughs> the traffic coming up behind them, which is to say Hertha, Stuttgart, Augsburg, are suddenly, at most, two points behind them. So, you know, a couple of more bad results. Maybe, maybe Abriel doesn't need to think about, oh, we won't make Europe. That's okay. But maybe he needs to think about, <laughs> we could actually go down. You never know. As I said, they lose three or four in a row. Yeah, you'd have to think that Stuttgart Augsburg, they'll pick up a few points. And um, yeah, they'll be in there. Who knows? Bielefeld might pick up a few and then <laughs> it'd be amazing, wouldn't it, if they got sucked into a relegation battle. But yeah, it's just definitely not looking good. And for the squad they have, there's just no excuse. For sure. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Here comes part two of Talking Foosball Direct, the part where we talk about the rest of the match day just gone. This was match day 15. Let's switch over to the way that you started your Bundesliga binge weekend. This was Cologne's 2-0 loss at home to Augsburg. I'm going to guess that this was not the result that you expected, and I'm pretty certain you didn't think you would see a goal as good as Nicholas Dorsch's in the second half. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a that was an outstanding goal for sure. Yeah, I'm really surprised Köln didn't score. I mean, they went pretty close. Yeah, the highlights made it look like a real back and forth even game. It wasn't a great game, I didn't think. But yeah, Modest had a couple of chances and and uh, just couldn't really put it away. And then they got hit hit late on. But yeah, it, does, it definitely wasn't a great spectacle. I didn't think Andre Hahn's opener was a bit bit sort of scrappy and. Um, I guess Dorsch's uh, strike made up for it, but this is just one for Baumgart just to uh, put in the in the rearview mirror and just completely forget about. I mean, <laughs> what's interesting is she's sitting there. It was obviously uh, I don't know, I can't remember the uh, the capacity, but it wasn't full, obviously. And uh, you're watching the game, and you, and then you hear this guy just screaming his head off, and you think, who the hell is that? And then, and you look, oh, it's Baumgart, okay. And then um, you know you get back to watching the game, and then and then you hear this guy screaming his head off again, and you think, who's that? You, you like, <laughs> you think, what's going on? And it takes you a few times to just, you know, after a while, you're like, okay, it's it's Baumgart. I don't even have to look and see what's going on. And he's he's just a really funny, 
amusing character on on the uh, on the t- on the touchline. Really, really great. So I guess I'm uh, digressing from what happened on the pitch, but really nothing much happened. I mentioned Kainz's, uh set piece delivery was just just horrible. He yeah. gave it up. Uh, you know, uh, Bumgart said, "Mate, give Duda a chance." So yeah, there wasn't much to say. I, I guess with with Augsburg, it's good to see Gregorich back. He's on. He's yeah, he's one of their best players or has the most skill and the most ability to sort of unlock a game with with a bit of brilliance. I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that Augsburg would probably improve when you get Dorsch and Anamaya in, in central midfield, but both of them have sort of had a few injury problems and they haven't really been able to partner up in central midfield for various reasons. So if you see Meyer coming back and Dorsch maintains his form and Gregorich stays there, then you'll probably see a fair bit of improvement. I thought Ruben Vargas was pretty good. He's a pretty dangerous player. Keller Jury can do some good things. Andre Hahn, super hard worker. Uh, their defence obviously is a bit of a concern, but with what I just mentioned and those guys, then um, you know they can pick up some points and, and start to move away from the relegation zone for sure. Mm-hmm. Tricky part is uh, Cologne have uh, a couple of games which seem winnable, Wolfsburg away and uh, Stuttgart at home. Uh, whereas Augsburg maybe maybe a little trickier. They have uh, Leipzig at home and Freiburg. Away. Any any of those games stand out for you? Yeah, I think that's a pretty a pretty decent set of fixtures for for Köln, Matt. You know, Wolfsburg are really struggling. Then they get to host Stuttgart, and then you know a game after Christmas uh, at Hertha Berlin. So that's a pretty decent run of fixtures before they got to host uh, host Bayern, and then Augsburg. Yeah, they got to host Leipzig. So that'll be an interesting game. And then they've got a few difficult fixtures. So yeah, I'd say Köln have a have a, a better run. You know, heading into the new year. Right. Let's just get a quick glance uh, at the top of the table. We we spent so much time talking about uh, the Classicer last weekend, so we were kind of going a little lighter on that stuff. But we did see uh, some interesting things. Bayern, they showed again just how hard to beat they are. They went down 1-0 midway through the first half against Mainz. A neat little bit of combination play between Jonathan Burkhardt and Karim Onesibo. But, you know, Bayern, they took the game in hand in the second half. They got goals from Kingsley Coman and uh, Jamal Musiala. Whereas Dortmund, they also fell behind. They conceded a penalty kick just before halftime away to Bochum. And despite dominating play even more, perhaps, than Bayern did against Mainz, they failed to capitalize and settled for a draw. You know, I thought, I don't know what your opinion was, but the Klassiker was fairly even last weekend, albeit one with precisely the result we've all come to expect in recent years, a win for Bayern. But I really feel like this weekend is was no different. You had two teams who both played well enough to get past their opponents, but only one of them actually won. Where is where is Dortmund falling short in this department? I still think they've got some issues away from home. I mean, they have for, for a long time. You know, they always tend to trip up uh, games away from home that they should win. You know, they obviously have such a great home record. I didn't see a whole lot of uh, highlights uh, from this match, but interesting, I guess, Zagadou. Mm-hmm. He's been out for a long time. He's coming back in. But the central midfield really doesn't look very appealing to me. Dahoud and Emre Jan. there's just nothing there for me to get excited about. And, you know, you saw today with Leverkusen, if, you, if your central midfield's not on it, then um, you know, you're going to struggle to to dominate games. I mean, it looks like they did dominate this game, as you would expect against uh, a team that just got promoted. But that's a that's a pretty big derby there, and I'm not sure what the crowd was, but uh, they're pretty 
pretty hostile there. And, they had a um, pretty good crowd. It was th- almost 14,000. Yeah, yeah. I'm really disappointed I haven't been able to get there yet. But, yeah, no, as I said weeks ago, uh, last time I was on, you know, I, I don't see Bochum with any problems with surviving. Are they going to pick up enough points at home? And they're even picking up points on the road now. You know, they're, they're really up for the fight. They've done some good work with their transfer market. So, um, you know, well played to them. And, yeah, Dortmund will be just be uh, – kicking themselves here I would say and just watching Bayern get another another two points ahead so not a huge surprise I, I wouldn't think Matt this uh, this particular result all right quick I'm going to steer things into off the field for a moment you you mentioned to me we were preparing for this pod that you uh, had had a thought or two about the whole Jude Bellingham Felix Zweier refereeing you know brouhaha this past week I wondered wonder what's been on your mind yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think there's any question about Jude Bellingham's footballing ability. He's a superstar in the making, that's for sure. He's one of the most talented 18-year-olds you've ever seen, and he's got the world at his feet. But I have noticed a fair bit of, I guess, immaturity. Uh, he's obviously a, uh, a product of his, his generation, but I have kind of seen a lot of stuff. I just think that's kind of just a bit too much. It's like a bit too far, you know, bordering on that on the, on the confidence you know, going into the arrogance territory. And this is a great reminder to everybody that these guys are just young men, even boys. And, you know, life is such a a long sort of tough journey and you're always learning, learning, learning. And uh, he's going to learn the hard way here with 40 grand. I don't know how much the club are going to uh, cover that or if it's going to come out of his own pocket. I mean, it's not obviously not a huge amount considering the money he's going to make in his career, but 40 grand is 40 grand, man. You buy a nice car with 40 grand. But yeah, I just thought the way he did it, the way the, the things he said and, and the way he said them and, and the, the sort of smart ass nature of it really just kind of annoyed me. But I think the takeaway is that this, this he's just a, he's a kid. He's 18. You know, he's living in a new country as well. It takes a lot of time to get your head around living in a new country, Matt. Like I've been here a few years and I'm still, you know, uh, figuring some things out and, and thinking how things work. It's probably a miracle I haven't been sued by someone for, for saying something because in this country, you, know, you, you say something and people will, will sue you. So... You know, it's going to be a great learning uh, moment for him, I would have thought, and a time to just go back and, and, and reflect. Maybe he's sort of been influenced a bit by Erling Haaland and some of the, I guess, antics. Or I don't sort of have too much of a problem with, with Haaland, I think, because it's, it's kind of he wears it on his sleeve. With, with Bellingham, it seems like a bit maybe forced. But, yeah, I just wanted to sort of – you know, I'm sure people have thought about this already, but I think that incident he had just really highlights the fact that he's got so much sort of maturing to do, and um, hopefully he can. This will be something he can learn from, and in a hurry, and just play football, mate. Just just play football, and you know, it, it was really hard to get anywhere near Jaden Sancho because the club just wouldn't let him talk to anyone. So maybe now they'll have to do a similar thing with uh, with Jude Bellingham. Yeah, it was interesting the way that this entire affair was touched off. That, you know, it happened in an English language interview with a Norwegian broadcaster. He basically tossed this comment off as if it was not really a big deal. And it, it definitely seemed to me that he didn't exactly know what he was stepping in. 
when when he said what he said. Um, I, I think that there's some substance to to what he said. Of course, I think that um, you know the way that the DFB has handled certain refereeing decisions and, and promotions and punishments. There's plenty of questions to ask, but just from the perspective of, of Jude Bellingham. I don't think he had any idea what he was getting into. Oh, no, and that's what I say. I mean, just to clarify like what I said, like, you know, if you have a problem here in Germany with um, with the company or something, or I don't know, and you sort of tell them what you think, <laughs> that can land you in some pretty hot water. You know, with, and in other countries, you, would, you you could get away with it or, you know, it wouldn't be seen in, in that sort of a way. But, you know, Germany is quite a particular place with some, you know, no, I don't want to say strange or anything, but certainly different ways of going about things and different ideas. And yeah, this is, um, you know, he could have said, he could have, he, there's so many different ways he could have said something about the referee without, you know, insinuating there was match fixing going on or anything like that. He, he could have been a lot more, you know, smart about what he was saying, but he would have had to sort of educate himself a bit more about what, what actually went down, which wouldn't have taken that long, you wouldn't have thought, but... Yeah, really unfortunate and, and disappointing. So yeah, yeah. We won't we won't go too too deep into the other big uh, off the field story, but I do think it's uh, pretty good news reading this Sunday, following up from from the match day, that uh, Bayern's missing superstar Joshua Kimmich, who has uh, had a couple of quarantines as well as a corona infection behind him, he says he's getting vaxxed. Good on him. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I was on the your pod, Matt, when this story broke, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember saying, "Look, if he changes his mind and decides to get vaccinated, then you know that'll probably a good be a great thing for all the people that have been undecided to this point." So that's what's happened, and um, a shame that he had to, you know, get COVID and looks like uh, get some pretty bad side effects from COVID. But yeah, I guess this is just a story that's ending up with a. Good outcome, I guess. Is that fair? Sure. Wait, our path, our path to this outcome was was bumpy, and uh, seems to have had some, as you say, after effects for the the main character. But I think there could be still some some good to come of it. What do we got? So we got Bayern. They're 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 away to Stuttgart and home to Wolfsburg. That's looking. <laughs> like six points to me. Mainz, who was uh, Bayern's opponents, of course, uh, they are at home to Hertha and away to Eintracht. Bochum are going to be away to Bielefeld and home to Union Berlin and uh, Dortmund. They're home to Fürth and away to Hertha. Yeah, it's really t- sorry, really tasty for Bayern, Matt. You know, that's a great run of fixtures there. And... Um, Obviously, not having Kimmich was a was a big problem for them, and then Goretzka sort of went down. So you're having Toulouse and Musiala in the in the engine room here is a good sign for them. Gives them a bit more a bit more cover moving forward for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Fürth. By the way, the old Spielvereinigung Grote Fürth. <laughs> they chalked up a result for the history books. They got their first win of the Bundesliga season. They also got their first home win ever in the top flight on Sunday. They took down Union Berlin 1-0. Do you have any explanations for this result, Matt? I mean, maybe maybe a hangover for Union from, from their exit from the UEFA Europa Conference League? Uh, yeah, well, you had Awani on the bench, mm-hmm. so that's not great for, for Union. He came on for Max Kruse in the 63rd minute. 
I saw, I was actually had my eye on this while I was sitting in, uh, in Frankfurt doing some other things. And, uh, it looks like they, they should have scored for sure. They had some great chances, especially early on. And, um, yeah, I would just say this is a fluke for Greuther Food. I got nothing. I saw them get smashed seven, one. And, um, yeah, I just stood, I still don't think they got any chance of surviving. And, uh, yeah, I got really nothing to say about them and Union. Yeah. I guess they're out of Europe now. So, they can get back to uh, get back to business, and I'll, yeah, again, as we saw with uh, the Freiburg match, you know, it was Fisher would just write this one off and uh, and move on. Yeah, well, it, w- it was a rare weekend in which Hertha came out with a better result than their <laughs> rivals from Kupernik. The Stefan Jovetic uh, Ishak Belfadil pairing up front is looking like a winner, as the latter set up the former. For the winner, Davy Zelka also got his first goal of the season with a lashing shot from the edge of the area with the actual final kick of the game. Matt, we, we've now seen two games in charge from Typhoon Korkut at Hertha. Speaking of keeping it simple with a 4-4-2, uh, he's gotten a win and a draw and a massive, massive jump in shot production from Hertha. I mean, their average under Dardai was something like eight shots a game, which is horrific. And they've got a 15 and 20 in their last two games. I mean, this is looking like a coaching change that was long overdue to me. Oh, yeah. It was really hard to get any enthusiasm about uh, about Pal Dardai for sure. You, know, you have to be wary of the new manager bounce. You know, we've seen it already with, uh, with Cofield. You know, most managers could come in and, and get a reaction in their first few games. Whether they can maintain that is a whole other story, but... Yeah, Corkut. I mean, I, the last time I saw him, I was in Stuttgart, and it was a nil-nil draw against uh, Dusseldorf, one of the most terrible games ever. And uh, yeah, I didn't think he was going to make it till uh, till Christmas. He didn't last too long after that. But uh, he's back. I don't have that much enthusiasm about it. I think it's so obvious that Jovetic is just, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else in this team as far as uh, class and skill goes. So, yeah, I don't think the tactics would be that complicated, Matt. Get the 4-4-2 down there and just get the other to just as much ball as possible. Surely that's pretty much all he's saying. You've got the pest in central midfield doing his thing. So, you know, it's not the, the worst squad in the world. They're definitely underperforming, but... You know, the only reason they have Jovetic, I would say, is because a whole lot of other clubs didn't want to take the risk with his uh, injury history. So, fingers crossed, he stays fit. They can push on. Uh, if he goes down, I'm not sure if other guys can step up. They've got Piantek, they've got Selke. Belfordil's getting some game time. So they've got other options, but none of those guys, I don't think, are anywhere near the, the class of Jovetic. So, yeah, is it, do you see Jovetic uh, that same way as me, Matt? Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> I think he's I think he's uh, Hertha's best footballer by a mile at the moment. And for whatever reason, he seems to have meshed really, really well with Ishak Belfodil. We've seen in both of the last two games, for goals that, that, that you know, Jovetic got on the end of, both of them were set up by really sort of refined touches from Ishak Belfodil, who seemed to know exactly where Jovetic wanted it. And and this is a super good sign from a team that had basically been relying on either opponents' mistakes or occasional individual class that you're actually getting players seeming to understand what they want from each other and, and putting balls in useful places for each other as opposed to just hoofing it. I don't think I'm really excited because, you know, uh, Heritage is still well down the table, 
but I'm certainly enjoying watching them a hell of a lot more than uh, under Dardai. Yeah, I always, uh, I guess, rated Belfort a little bit higher than than, than, than average. I, he, he did some really good things at Hoffenheim, and mm-hmm. as you say, you saw all those combinations with uh, with, with Kramer. So that was before. I think uh, Bebu moved to the club. So it really was Belford and Kramerich and, and Belford went through a really good spell of, of form in, in Hoffenheim. So, yeah, as you say, he can bring the smarts and Jovetic, super smart player. So if they can build up a bit of a partnership, Victor said they got a lot of skill as well. So um, all, the, all the pieces are in place there to, for this team to uh, to push on a bit. And Bielefeld, I don't, I, I haven't, they're, the, they're the only team I haven't seen, I think, this season. So... I got nothing on them, really, but uh, that's probably a good thing. Hey, hey come on. You <laughs> go see them sometime. No, sorry. I mean, I haven't seen them, and I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, without seeing them at least once, like, I, I'm not going to watch them on TV. So, unfortunately, I can't help all the Bielefeld fans with any uh, insight into into what's going on. Well, I, from, from what I could tell, they were not terribly pleased with the performance this weekend, which yeah, makes sense. Let's finish off the show by talking about Wolfsburg and uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart were, were two nil winners in Wolfsburg. That's a huge win for them. You know, we've talked about Stuttgart's troubles a little bit over the course of the season, but I, I really think this was a huge loss for Wolfsburg. They're, they're basically back to square one from where they were when they made their coaching change in, in late October. You know, they lost three straight, now in the Bundesliga. They haven't won a game in any competition in over a month. That uh, new manager bounce when Kofeld came in is is long since gone. I understand you saw them at midweek in the Champions League where they were beaten pretty soundly by Lille. What's your diagnosis of what the hell's going on there? Well, it was terrible. I mean, I was at uh, the first game, Kofeld in charge when they won 2-0 in Leverkusen, and it was looking all right. Um, you had sort of Gulavogi pulling into the into the middle of a back three, which I thought was one of the reasons they were doing well. He tried to do that. Or it was looking like it was going to be a similar situation against Lille, but he actually spent most of his time in midfield. And they were just hopeless. They were just, I mean, the central defenders, Gulavogi, they were just giving away possession really cheap. And everything they did came down the right-hand side with crosses or corners towards Veghorst. They didn't have uh, uh, metro for that game against uh, Lille, but they were extremely poor, really, really poor. I went up there to – I hadn't been there before. I wanted to uh, to see that stadium and see the sights, mate, see, you know, yeah, man. see all the spectacular uh, architecture and, um, you know, things going on in, in, in Wolfsburg. But, um, yeah, on the pitch, they were they were terrible. And I, this result didn't didn't surprise me really whatsoever after seeing them on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I saw the highlights. It looked like Waldschmidt was taking a whole bunch of shots from outside the box. Nemecha should have scored, didn't. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if they're come just way too one-dimensional now and teams are just trying to sort of lock up their course when he gets anywhere near the box. But, yeah, for sure, really alarming. Bornau is not looking good at all. Lacroix is got no confidence whatsoever. Mbabu can't really defend at all. Um, and Max Arnold, the guy who's always pretty much that, that standout player for Wolfsburg, didn't do a thing really against Lille. Looks like he didn't do a thing here against Stuttgart. So when he's not doing his thing and, and you can shut him out, 
uh, then you're going to have a lot of success against Wolfsburg. And I'm assuming that's what other teams are, are, uh, are figuring out now as well. So not good for them. And he's, 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 he's in the same boat as Addy Hutter, really. And it's not even close, Matt. I mean, they've lost five in a row and it's been by two or more goals every single time. Like it's not like, it's not like they're losing close games. They're getting smashed every time. And look who they're getting smashed by in the Mainz, Stuttgart, Lula are a decent team, but they're at home, you know, and they had so much to play for. And they just didn't really have any tactics to, to try and do anything about Lille. Lille were just better coached and just played better as a team. So, yeah, it's really alarming that that new manager bounce has worn off so quickly. But, yeah, fair play to Stuttgart. They uh, hit a bit of form. You got Silash back, and we'll see what they can do. Yep. Unfortunately, both of these teams have to play Bayern. Uh, before before the winter break, Wolfsburg in the final game of the Hindrud and uh, Wolfsburg coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, and, and then the other, and then they will all, both play Cologne for their other game. So uh, it'll be an interesting comparison. See who comes out uh, the better in in that one. Yeah. Okay, that is it for this edition of Talking Foosball Direct, which was produced as always by Aiden Rantoul. Really nice to have you back, Matt. Thanks for having me on, mate, and uh, to you and all the listeners. Uh, Happy Christmas, and uh, hopefully good start to 2022. Yeah, yeah. I hope for that as well. You can follow Matthew over at Noobs Corp on Twitter, and if you want to contact me, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman over there. TF Fantasy will not be recording what with a very tight English of Woche turnaround schedule, but Talking Foosball Extra, they'll be checking in later in the week to fill the gap between all the football. Bis zum nächsten Mal, y'all.